insurrection, obstruction, indictments, civilly liable for sexual abuse. The one man responsible for all that could be sitting in a prison cell on election day and still be elected commander-in-chief for these United States. That man is beholden to Putin, weakened NATO the last time around, and is currently tying himself to wealthy Saudi oil money. He enriched himself when government stated his property. He campaigned on wanting to use government to go after his political rivals and wants to expand executive power. If Donald Trump is re-elected, our nation is lost. So let's roll up our sleeves, get to work, and tell the MAGA folks, no more before it's too late. Conversation, Sarah code 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. Uh, the only time we won't be accepting phone calls is when I'm doing response videos and when I have my guest on at the bottom half of the hour, which is Mel Manuel, uh, candidate who is running in the first congressional district, the individual the district that I ran for back in 2004. Uh, they will be on in the bottom half of this hour. Uh, I have a, lots of stuff I do want to talk to. So if I don't get too many phone calls today, I do apologize. Uh, sorry, Wes. <laughs> anyway, uh, so best way, I think this show may very well be just to leave your comments in the chat and I will promise to get to them eventually. Uh, settle down, Wes. Uh, Tim, Wes, Seha, Jolie, Aaron, Elizabeth. Uh, who else did I miss so far? Uh, uh, now I missed some Bill. I think Bill's here in the chat as well. Uh, thank you all for showing up very early. Uh, well, we should have a few more strolling in as well. If I do love you, Wes, come on. Uh, if you want to uh, leave your comments in the chat, I appreciate that. And remember to like and subscribe if you haven't already done so. And if you're listening after the live broadcast, you can leave your comments in the comment section. And also remember to uh, like and comment on other videos as well. It's the best way to drive up the algorithms. So again, um, we are going to talk about the first half, first half hour of the show, we're going to be talking about how the 9-11 death toll seems to uh, pale, it pales into comparison as to the COVID death toll yet. Nobody wants to talk about that. And sometimes I think I've managed to piss people off when I do talk about that. But I'm still going to talk about it again because we need to, just like we need to never forget 9-11, we need to never forget the COVID death toll and Who's responsible, especially with the conservatives and what they say we should have done and what they might do the next time this happens to roll around, if it does, hopefully it doesn't knock on wood. Uh, then we'll have our guest again in the bottom half of the hour, Mel Manuel. And then afterwards, either if we have to cut off the conversation on COVID, we'll continue that after uh, Mel you know, has to hang up and go deal with their family. Uh, and then we'll continue the nine. Uh, 9-11 COVID slash conversation, then I have an announcement to make, and I'll be making that announcement after uh, Mel uh, is on the show. And then 
Uh, so we'll have that announcement, and then I'll be doing some responses again to uh, the toxic masculinity for that playlist, including a response to a particular comment that was made on a video. And I was like, look, I don't feel like typing all this stuff out. I'm just going to make a response video to this, or it will be part of my next podcast. So if you can't join us live, we're going to do it, and I'll, I'll either – cut a part of it out and make it own an own video, its own video, or I will go ahead and just give you the timestamp or both. You know, it is what it is. Sorry, Donald. There you go. It is what it is. Thank you, Donald. What else? What else was I talking about? Oh, support the show. Again, subscribe to the channel. You know, interact with the channel. You can also buy me a cider. Go to liberaldan.com, click the Buy Me a Cider button, or you can go to buymecoffee.com slash liberaldanradio. That way you can Venmo me or you become a Liberal Dan Radio patron. Um, the patreon.com slash liberaldan had the words of redneck wisdom up early. Warning, it is not safe for work. I will be playing that later too. I am not playing it now. I'm going to be playing it later, uh, and I'm going to give several warnings about this don't have kids around don't be playing it around anybody who might be offended by some horrible not necessarily horrible words but very adult language um you know have people put on their headphones or headmuffs or whatever you want to call it anywho but without further ado to start off the show we do this week's headlines pennsylvania law enforcement finally captured danilo cavalcante after a two-week manhunt Considered armed and dangerous, Cavalcante was taken alive because he was not black. A Mexican UFOologist testified before a Mexican Congress hearing about the existence of UFOs, going so far as to bring in two caskets when opened that had bodies that looked like the stereotypical aliens like you might see in E.T. Speaking of E.T., Drew Barrymore has crossed the picket lines and is now officially a scab putting her show back on the air without writers. When asked for a comment, E.T. said, ouch, but he put up his middle finger instead. Congressperson Bobert was kicked out of a theatrical version of Beetlejuice for causing a disturbance. Apparently, she was not following the rules, laughing and singing too loud, and according to reports that she's denied, was vaping as well. She was also allegedly recording the show, another no-no. Perhaps Bobert was doing homework on how to get a creepy old man to return. Either way, nobody should be shocked that she was removed for being disturbing. In the Senate, Senator Tuberville of Florida, who happens to represent Alabama, said that we shouldn't be wasting time by impeaching Biden. Instead, he thinks we should be wasting time by holding our military appointments over a military policy that grants leave and travel expenses for soldiers who require an abortion. When asked for comment by Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, Mitch McConnell said, And finally, Speaker of the House is facing a revolting Matt Gates over his dragging of his feet on impeaching President Biden. Over what? Who knows? But we all know that right now, Congressman Matt Gates and probably other Republicans are revolting. And that was this week's headlines. Well, there you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm missing some very interesting comments in the chat. Wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. So 
let us talk about the show or to be what one of the first topics that I wanted to talk about on the show, which is uh, the death toll of 9-11 versus the death toll of COVID-19 because, you know, conservatives often want to bring up the death toll of 9-11, even though they don't care about the death toll of the after effects. Like people will often talk about the first responders who died responding to the falling of the twin towers. And apparently I think the official number of first responders who have died from complications dealing with the falling of the twin towers and then going in and trying to rescue people has now met or surpassed the same number of people that died on 9-11 of the same number of first responders. And conservatives don't care about that. They don't want to make sure that they get health care when it comes to that, because that's socialism. But that's not really what I'm talking about today. But that's still another thing that we shouldn't be forgetting about, that these conservatives claim to care about law enforcement. They claim to care about uh, first responders. But in reality, they don't. But let's just talk about people like Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk had a tweet the other day, and there I've seen this from conservatives before repeatedly. Um, lots of conservatives have been talking about how we will never do this again. We're not going to mask. We're not going to socially distance. We are never going to do what we did for COVID again. It's an it's, it's attack on our freedoms, attack on our liberties, what have you. They don't want to do that again because they feel that it was not necessary they feel that attacking their freedoms for something that they feel was a hoax um, was, was something that you know, wasn't necessary at all. Okay. But can just, just imagine for a second how many people died from COVID-19 just in and of itself. So case fatality rate. The case fatality rate of COVID, according to Johns Hopkins, was about 1.1%. Now, this goes up to about, I think, February of March of 2023, when I think they stopped recording it. But this includes after we had vaccinations. And with vaccinations, the people who are vaccinated, those death rates dropped. However... So if, what conservatives wanted to do is to not, not have us go, you know, skip work, not have us socially distance, not have us close any businesses, not have us uh, close schools. They wanted everybody to go around and pretend like everything was normal, which would have been more people getting it from the get-go, meaning less people that were vaccinated. So you know, the, the case fatality rate would have likely been much higher than 1.1%. So it may have been anywhere between 1% and 2%. So well, let's just use that. So if you caught COVID, you would have a 1% to 2% chance of dying in a vacuum, not taking into consideration the various other factors that we also need to take into consideration. We have 300, and we're just talking about the United States at this point, because we can't control what other countries do. We're just talking about the United States. We have 340 million people in this country 
if we just went the way that Charlie Kirk wanted us to go and one point and, and, and let everybody get the virus, because we all know that when Sweden tried to go for herd immunity just by everybody catching it, it failed. That means that anywhere from 3.4 to 6.8 million people would have died just simply from the case fatality rate, ignoring everything else. And you can't ignore everything else, but we're ignoring everything else for the initial part of the discussion, right? So to them, the price of liberty in a pandemic would have been acceptable to lose 3.4 to 6.8 million people. 6.8 billion people is more Jews than died in the Holocaust, right? But they're fine with that because my freedom, right? Now, another thing that these people will talk about is how masking doesn't work. I was in a discussion with somebody on on the, the efficacy of masking. And the, and the person who I was having this conversation with, it was an interesting conversation because the person with whom I was having this conversation, his job was working with people who work with dangerous chemicals. So his responsibility as the manager of these people is to make sure that they are wearing enough protective material, protective clothing, protective gear, that not a single bit of harmful material gets through. And if a single bit of harmful material would get through, that's a failure. So to him and people who work in those types of fields, a little bit of failure, a little bit getting through is a fail. But that's not how, that's not how epidemiology works. That's not how virology works. And they can't fathom this thing. And to many conservatives, it's an all-or-nothing thing. It's either it works or it doesn't work. It's not, well, it works some or it works a lot or some might get through. The goal with masking and social distancing, whatever, was to slow the progression, was to slow the rate of spread. But they can't seem to understand that. They also can't seem to understand the idea of altruism because to them, anything to having to do with wearing protective gear is only to protect the wearer. And I've dealt with, I dealt with this since the very beginning of the pandemic where masking was never suggested at the, at least at the beginning to protect the wearer. It was to protect the people around the wearer. But for some reason, especially when the email came out from Fauci, when Fauci was like, a cloth mask will do little or nothing to protect the wearer. Every, they jumped up all, about, all on that. But, that's, but Fauci wasn't talking about that when he then suggested that people wear masks because it was about protecting the people around the wearer. And then the people would say something like, oh, well, the COVID, COVID itself is a virus and it's so small that it would pass through the mask. Sure. If COVID traveled independently through the air by itself, COVID doesn't travel independently through the air by itself. COVID travels on droplets of saliva. 
and a mask can prevent droplets of saliva from getting out. And even if it doesn't prevent all droplets of saliva from getting out, it can prevent them from getting out further. So you might, there's, there's plenty of graphics online where you could see that you sneeze or you cough with a mask on, it might go to here. Whereas if you don't have a mask on, it would go way the fur further out, right? That's, so if it, if it only goes to here instead of going to here, that's helping to prevent the spread. And these people can't understand that. But here's the most important point. Here's what we're getting to. Here's, here's the, one of the most important parts that we are getting to in this conversation that needs to be discussed, that, needs to, that, that they just don't seem to get. And we need to hammer home simply because of the fact that you have conservatives who are still going to argue that we should have never done the social distancing, the keeping kids home from school, and we should have never done any of this. And if, it ever, if a pandemic ever happens again, they're going to argue that we should not do any of this again. And it's dangerous. It's scary dangerous. Because here's the deal. In the United States, we only have one million hospital beds. There is a total of one million total hospital beds in the United States. Now, that's, with 340 million people, that seems small. Maybe that seems counterintuitive. It seems like a small amount. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe not. I'm not a health policy expert. I am not somebody who is, you know, who, who is determining the amount of beds that is, that is safe or responsible to have. It's just not something that I'm paid to do, so I defer to the experts, and the experts believe that, like I said, one million beds is the amount of beds that we should have in every given year. And why do we have that number of beds? Well, you know, the experts determine that, well, in a certain year, we should have X many heart attacks, Y strokes, Z car accidents. H number of, you know, other conditions that would cause you to have to go to the hospital. Now, maybe so many people would get the flu that requires them to go to the hospital. Maybe some people are old and they have to go to the hospital for conditions dealing with their age. You know, there, there are, there are, there's information out there and trends that we can follow. And maybe when it comes time to have, you know, if, if it looks like that we're going to have a worse flu season, maybe, they go, okay, well, maybe we need to open up some more beds so maybe we can plan for this and we can have more beds available. We can start hiring more nurses or budgeting for putting more people and paying more overtime so we can have more staff, particularly in areas that might get hit harder by these types of you know, illnesses. So one million beds is what we have currently in in our entire in the entirety of our nation to handle everything that might happen so we've talked earlier about the case fatality rate i.e the number of deaths per cases now let's talk about the hospitalization fatality rate how many 
how many hospitalizations per, not hospitalization, not hospitalization fatality rate, the case hospitalization rate that would take place with COVID-19, right? So if we have, I'm looking at the JAMA Network site. I believe this is the right website that I was looking at. Um, and I had this posted on some other website, and I, I can't seem to find it, but here we go. Um, where is it? 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 Um, uh, this, this one is saying that hospitalization rates of unvaccinated adults were 10 times higher than in vaccinated results when you, when you are infected. So that's, that's, not the, that's not the actual data that I was looking for. But so let's just, so the, so the information that I was looking at said that the hospitalization rates, there was a chart. Now that there was a chart that I was looking at that, that gave the data, and it wasn't that one. Hold on. I had this available for me, and now all of a sudden it's not being cooperative, unfortunately. <laughs> Google Keep is, sucks sometimes, let me tell you. Google Keep absolutely can suck sometimes. But let's see. Do, 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 do. Is it here? I think it's here. Is it this one Is where I posted this? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Maybe the problem is I'm looking at not looking at all comments. I'm looking at top comments, which I also hate about Facebook because they want only want to give me top comments and not all comments, and that's annoying as crap. Um, let's see. Damn it, that's not it either. Um, anyway, so what it turned out was that the hospitalization rate of COVID-19 turned out to be maybe like 10% maybe. So I think 3.4 million people would have been hospitalized, even if it was 1%. Maybe even if it was one percent, maybe it was more than it was like, maybe I don't forget exactly what it was. It wasn't one percent. It was like five, four to five percent. So it turned out being like seven million people would have been hospitalized if we let everybody get COVID. It doesn't necessarily mean that all of them are going to die, but seven million people would have needed to be hospitalized, according to the math. Um. And see, Bill, the problem with the, with the New York Times figures, A, New York Times sometimes isn't available, so you can't necessarily, you know, get through it because of a paywall. But a lot of the times the data that I was, I was trying to look at when I was finding the data was it was looking at weekly averages, and I wanted overall aggregates. And sometimes the overall aggregates aren't reported because you wanted to look at the week. They wanted to show the weekly numbers. Um, Let's see, COVID hospitalization per, uh, let's see, is it this one? COVID-19 hospitalization, is it that? No, no. Yeah, that's another one that's just weekly, and I don't want weekly. Is it the one from the NIH? 
I want to get the, the, the proper number just to make sure I'm giving the proper number. There was a good chart, and the good chart just – I pasted it into Google Keep, and apparently Google Keep decided not to keep it, which just – which is absolutely frustrating because Google Keep you'd think would be a little more reliable than that. Um, anyway. The point of the thing was that the, the risk of hospitalization turned out to be like maybe like 7 million people would have needed to have been hospitalized if everybody was allowed to get COVID at once. If everybody was just, we went on like normal, maybe 7 million people would have needed to be hospitalized. Well, we don't have the capacity for 7 million people to go to the hospital. We only have the capacity for 1 million people to be, to be hospitalized. And even, even if, even if, My, my figures are very liberal because, you know, I'm liberal, Dan. Even if I'm being overly overestimating the numbers, let's say we only would have had 3 million hospitalizations that would have been needed, right? If we only would have needed 3 million, that's still 2 million more hospitalizations that we could have handled and that's ignoring all the other normal hospitalizations. At any given time, we probably only have maybe like what, 10, 20, 30% at most open beds because the beds, are dealing, the beds that are currently occupied are, are currently occupied with people who are in car accidents, people who have overdoses and drugs, people who have, um, people who have heart attacks, people who have strokes, people who have broken bones. There are plenty of other people who are currently getting health care needs. So what happens then? If you have 3 million people who are needing to be hospitalized because of COVID, who can't get the treatment that they need because they have COVID, because we're, over, we have, we're understaffed, we're under, we have too, many, too few rooms, and then you have all these other people who need the hospitals. So let's say we have 4 million people needing beds and only 1 million beds. That means you're going to have a lot more people who are going to be dying on top of the people who are already dying from COVID that would have normally died from COVID. So take, the, take those 3.4 to 6.8 million people who are dying from COVID because they were already going to die from COVID and then tack on maybe another few million on top of that because our hospital rooms would have just been overburdened and overrun and we wouldn't have been able to deal with that. It would have been an absolute fuster clock to deal with that. So the idea that we would have been able to just go to schools and they say, oh, well, kids didn't get it. Well, no, when the Delta variant came out, it was worse for kids. Right. That's, I don't want to talk about that either, because that was a big that was a big argument that I was having with my kids school and with the school board when they wanted to send kids back to school. Yet it was showing that the hospitalization rate for kids was higher. But even if kids weren't getting sick and dying, they were still carriers. They were still vectors of transmission. So if you send all these kids to school, you send all these you send all these kids to school. You send all these people to work. 
You send everybody, everybody can go to the grocery store. Nobody has to be socially distanced. Everybody's doing their normal activities. Can you imagine the shortages that we would have had on medicine? Can you imagine the shortages that we would have had on medical products because all of these people would have been overburdening the system? Because it's not just hospital beds that would have had, we would have had shortages on. We would have had shortages on so many things, it would have been ridiculous. But see, it, it, so it's not just a lack of empathy that conservatives have, or it's not just empathy that conservatives lack. It, it, they can't even fathom what, the pro, what problems their ideas would cause, because all they care about is individual, their individual freedoms. But, and individual freedoms are very important. I am a big proponent of individual freedoms. And this doesn't have a but. This is not, I'm a big proponent of individual, individual freedoms, but. It's period. End of sentence. I am a proponent of individual freedoms. I am arguing that individual freedoms do not include the ability of you to harm other people. They always say the right of, of, to swing your fist uh, stops when you're, before your fist hits somebody else's face. Well, No. The right of you to swing your fist stops well before that because you don't even have the right to swing your fist at somebody because that's assault. So you don't have the right to swing your fist violently in the air because that's a threat to other people. So you don't have the right to drive drunk because of the threat and the risk you cause to other people because you might put other people at risk. It doesn't matter that you... If you, if you managed to drive drunk and get home from the bar safely, it was, you didn't have the right to do it because you don't have the right to put other people at risk. You don't have the right to make that decision for other people. And that's the thing that conservatives don't understand, that they don't have the right to make those decisions for other people. And that's why you see those conservatives making these decisions about abortion that affect individuals who, you know, who are pregnant and who have risky pregnancies because they don't worry about the fact that it might harm anybody else because they don't care about the harm that might happen to everybody else. They just pass these draconian abortion laws because to them, it's about, it's their morals, but their morals aren't moral, which is a good segue, I think, to our guest, Mel Manuel, a candidate, progressive candidate for Louisiana's First Congressional District. Hi, Welcome. Dan. Thanks for hello. Thanks for having me. It is my pleasure. Look, I I ran for the first congressional district in 2004. Um, we we are a uh, a uh, fraternity of sorts, I guess, for lack of a better word. Uh, I I feel I feel I don't know if compassion is the right camaraderie with anybody who decides to throw their hat in that ring. Uh, so when I, I, I saw com- compassion and camaraderie both work here. Yes. So when when I when I saw when I saw I don't know if it was first a, a Facebook post or a, something on Twitter, and I saw that you were running, I'm like, I need to get them on my show, and I need to I need to help them out as much as I can because you know I was there. I I feel you. So for, let's let's give your give your introduction. Let us let the audience know who you are and what you stand for and why you decided to throw your hat in his ring. 
Sure. Yeah, I'm Mel, uh, Mel Manuel. I'm from Covington, um, live in Madisonville now. Um, and I've been, you know, most of my life I've been a teacher, a public school teacher. Um, and I definitely would never have considered um, doing anything in politics uh, until very recently in my life because, as I'm sure many of you guys know, um, yeah, or I've heard of the book banning movement um, that's been kind of, uh, I guess, the epicenter is in St. Tammany Parish. Um, mm. I've even I've even heard that um, we are the book banning capital of the nation, <laughs> which <laughs> is um, pretty crazy. So, um, and that is closely tied with uh, homophobia and transphobia because you know at the heart of the censorship movement, it's really about um, banning books that have to do with the LGBTQ community or people of color. Um, so when that started up about, um, I guess, a little over a year ago now, uh, I realized that, um, you know, we got to take action here. So um, I decided to run because, you know, as I'm sure you know and, and many other people know, I have a very slim chance. Uh, of beating Scalise, but that's not really, um, or let's see, even if I don't win, um, I, I still want to run. And what I'm trying to do here is um, a couple of things. I want to move the needle. So like last year, um, you know, Katie Darling ran against Scalise and she got 25% of the vote. Uh, I want, I'm going to move it further. I'm actively trying to recruit progressive candidates. So I've joined our uh, local Democratic Party, DPEC, which is the St. Mm-hmm. Tammany Parish level Democratic Party. And I'm recruiting progressive candidates to join us there and run for office. Um, I want to represent the LGBTQ community um, and then raise awareness about different issues that are important to me, like um, reproductive freedom and um, how the quality of life of Louisianans is really suffering right now. And, you know, one of the things like one of I mean, we, we expect, you know, conservatives when they're when they're targeting people. I mean, you know, we, we expect them to go after the LGBTQ community um, that, that seem to be par for the course. But some of the some of the some of the books that, you know, I think in one of the states, it might, might have been Florida. I don't know if they tried to do it in St. Tammany as well. But I mean, like there was a. So one of the books that got banned in one of the areas was like a book on Rosa Parks or something like, like, it's like absurd. Like the oh, amount. Yeah. Like, I mean, they haven't successfully actually banned any books in St. Tammany Parish yet. Um, that's in large part due to, uh, we have a really great um, library director and some really um, awesome board members for the library. But mm-hmm. yeah, they did um, challenge like uh, The Bluest Eye, which is Toni Morrison, um, which is crazy. It's an adult book. It's not a kid's book. And, I mean, I, I can't really imagine any reason that they would challenge that book other than the author is black, which right. is insane. But, I mean, it's just racism, like pure and simple. And, like, to me, like, to, the, the, to me, what I've considered what conservatism was like at least what it what it what they usually subscribe themselves or, or describe themselves to be would be it would be the parents' decision to determine whether or not their kids should read the book. You know, 
you know, they might, you know, complain about a book being read in the classroom and then they might be upset that, that in a classroom setting that they're, that their kids are being read a book, but this is in a library where they should be able to control like, okay, you want to read this book? Fine. Read this book. Don't go read this book. You know, they should have full control of, as to what their kids read at home when they're checking it out from the library. And if they don't, well, isn't that a commentary on their parenting abilities and not on anything on the school? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, they're definitely all about parental rights unless we're talking about the rights of queer parents or, parents of queer children and then we don't have any rights right well there there was a great there's a great twitter thread that i've talked about several times on the show already where where basically the bottom line is that for for at least many conservatives uh conser- con- the bottom line comes down to uh conservatives don't like to be told what to do but they love to tell other people what to do so that certainly seems to be the case right now in st Tammany parish yeah so um, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're a parent, uh, you have, you have a, a, a one child, I believe, yep. or, yeah, I have and, one. Mean, yeah and, and so, so you have, you know, you, you have, you know, you, you're, it's not like you're, you know, not, you know, cause somebody coming up from the situation or, I mean, you, you, you were, you were concerned about raising your kid as well. So just like I'm concerned about raising mine, I have two two kids as well, and I, I think they they need to have a good quality education that includes access to to educational materials that don't hide information. And like like you said, like they hide want to hide books because like an author is is black or because it talks about information that they're afraid might make the poor white kids feel uncomfortable for being white. Like I've never once. When I was being, you know, educated about the social injustices that in the history of our country, I never once was made to feel guilty because I have white skin, because people in the past who also had white skin, you know, did bad things. I was like, yeah, it sucks and we shouldn't do that again. But I never I was never made to feel like, oh, well, you know, hey, I feel bad because of this to me it's like the only reason that anybody might want to hide that is because they follow you know history forgotten repeats itself well maybe they want history to repeat itself who knows yeah no i think all of these book challenges are just really thinly veiled uh racism homophobia transphobia i mean the overwhelming majority of them uh, would fall into one of those categories um i mean like the first library board meeting that we went to uh that where they talked about challenge books it was all kids books i mean like mm-hmm. little kids books three and four year olds and um like one book for example it's juliana the mermaid and it was just a story about um, a little boy who likes to wear mermaid costumes and it it didn't say that he was trans i mean maybe gender non-conforming or i don't know but he just was a boy that liked to wear a costume and, that, and they challenged that um, right which is so crazy, but I mean, it, I don't understand where this kind of idea that it feels so fragile or so threatened by someone else's gender identity or anything that might like possibly lead to children exploring gender identity. I don't know. It's it's, it's really kind of crazy to me. I, I I mean, I personally don't understand it either. I mean, I, I but then again, you know, I'm a parent who who tries to 
allow my children to express themselves as, as they want to express themselves. My, you know, you know, my boys, you know, one of them, you know, wanted to paint his fingernails. So we painted his fingernails. Both of them at some point wanted different colored hair. So we had different colored hair. My, my oldest wanted to wear a pink cat sleeve uh, Doc McStuffin shirt. So we got him a pink cat sleeve Doc McStuffin shirt. You know, it, it was quote in the, girls section quote unquote but in reality why is clothing gendered to begin with you know there's no reason why clothing <laughs> needs to be gendered you know there's it's, it's if, if somebody wants to wear something that makes them happy let let the person wear the clothes that makes them happy it, there, there doesn't need to be made, made to be a big deal about it like i remember way back so, in the day i my, completely agree okay i mean I, 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 like one of my early days of converse, conversing in politics I remember some conservative asking me, like, if you ever have children and, and your child sees, you know, two men kissing, what are you going to tell them when they ask you, why are those two men kissing? I'll be like, because they're in love. And then I'll, then my kid will be like, okay, because I'm not going to make a big deal about it because it is, that's what it is. You know, <laughs> that, 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 or- yeah, I, I kind of think we're seeing these reactions, um, the anti-trans and anti-queer legislation last year, there was over 500 anti-LGBTQ bills proposed nationwide, which is uh, a record high every year. It's been a record um, right. in the past few years. But the reason I, that I think that we're seeing this is because um, generation over generation, the LGBTQ identity or L- people who identify as LGBTQ is essentially doubling each generation. I mean, millennials are something like 10, 10 to 11% queer identifying, but um, my daughter's generation is closer to 25%, which is mm-hmm. a very high increase. And I think that we're seeing a reaction to um, far-right conservatives feeling very threatened by this change. Because, I mean, think about when that generation grows up, are they going to be voting Republican? No. So, right. I mean... Yeah, I, I really think this is kind of what it all boils down to. Like their voter base is going to shrink and they're going to become dinosaurs. And so I think the only tactic that they have is to scare people. We have to keep scaring you into thinking um, you're going to, you know, your lives or your livelihood or your values are at stake because of these people. Critical race theory is the reason that, I don't know, you don't have a job, or it's trans people, or immigrants, or whatever boogeyman they can conjure up, um, because they they are absolutely threatened. Right. Well, let's see, Lifted and Gifted in the chat says, pretty sure bras are made for boobs. I'm like, I think bras are made for more than just Republicans. But I'm bumped. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, I mean, and, and one of the things, though, that, like, there's this horrible Twitter account that I, that, I, that I don't follow, but for some reason, Elon has decided to, like, make me see all the time, or the new algorithms I see all the time. It's, it's and, and the argument that they make, you know, they come to the wrong conclusion, I think, when it comes to, like, those expanding numbers of people. I don't think that the number of people who identify, you know, as LGBTQ, identify as queer, you know, I don't think those those number of people are happening because of any nefarious reasons like the conservatives try and paint them out to be. I think that the people have always been there and have always been that way. We've just are in a more open society that allows people to 
explore who they are and feel how they are. And, and, and we have more open people who allow people to feel less, you know, less shame over what their true feelings are and live their true, I, you know, real selves. Like, and, and that's the case. Oh, and that's yeah. a good thing. So nobody's trying to like come in there and, and tell your kids, this is how you should be and trying to turn your kids that to, to be any particular way. But, you know, maybe they need to realize that maybe their kids are that way. And, and, and the people who are out there are just trying to make your kids less likely to do bad things to themselves, like commit, commit suicide because these people don't understand that like for, for like for trans kids, like for every, but studies show that for every individual that accepts a trans kid for who they are, they're like 50% less likely to commit suicide. And that should be a good thing. That should, if they're pro-life, they're really pro-life, they should be supportive of making sure that these children are not wanting to off themselves. And also they should be supporting other things like good mental health programs to help them deal, you know, with what their feelings are to help guide them through these things, because we know we don't have a good mental health system in this country whatsoever, <laughs> but that's a whole other topic altogether. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I completely agree with you that the reason that we are seeing more LGBTQ identifying people is um, in part because we've, we're becoming way more accepting and I also think part of it is giving people um, broader language to use. Like, for example, if I told you there's only two genders, male and female, then you're probably going to pick one of those. Right. That's the only two options. But if I told you, well, I mean, you could be non-binary or you could be trans-masculine or uh, maybe you don't identify with any gender or, you know. And then, like, once you give vocabulary uh, more words to someone to use, more options, then they begin thinking about that. Well, how do I actually feel about myself? So I think that's also part of it. Um, but I don't, I don't understand why anyone would feel threatened by this. Um, like in the end, like trans people make up about one percent of our population, so it's a very we're a small community to right. begin with. But I mean, we're certainly not threatening in any way. Well, I mean, because trans folks are such a small segment of the population, that's why they make such a good scapegoat is because they can't, it's harder to fight back. It's, it's there. It's, you know, why do you think that, you know, as a Jewish person myself, I understand that, you know, Jews make an easy scapegoat because we're not, we're not a very big pop part of the population either. So we're easy scapegoats. It's always easy to go after the, the, the small groups and, and, and make, the small groups into the scapegoats. So exactly. Yeah, and and that's exactly what we're seeing here and I mean, you know, it I feel like it just comes in waves like one day it's Muslims that we're hating, one day it's people of color, maybe it's Jewish people, um maybe it's Catholics, trans people, it just you know, we have to like for Republicans they have to constantly be afraid of and hating some or multiple groups of people, and they're, you know, specifically non-white, Christian, non-straight people, you know? Right. And and people who might be in the chat who might question the whole, you know, gender, non, the gender binary and why we, why we oppose the idea of the gender binary. I mean, you can go look at the Scientific American. There are several articles in the Scientific American that clearly spell out why, you know, the gender binary is an antiquated idea, why, 
why there is there's plenty of you know scientific reasons to to explain why there you know the gender binary is is a overly simplistic point of view where you know the idea of male and female is just simply like an approximation of what many people feel and many people don't feel that way either um you know yeah i would say like in my, i would explain that as gender is um a construct right it's made yeah. up by by humans so i mean what is male or female gender i mean it's just a collection of stereotypes so i mean if i asked you what to define male gender you might tell me like uh, I, I don't know men uh like sports and they have trouble sharing their feelings and i don't know some other bunch of stereotypes and then if i ask well what makes a woman female gendered and somebody might say well women like shopping and they're emotional all of these things are just stereotypes they're not real and right. we don't know a single man or woman even if you do identify as male gendered or female gendered who's going to fit into these stereotypes because I, it's a caricature of a human nobody is that um, right i mean for me I, th- I think i think male is a good approximation for what i am because i don't i don't feel like anything like is wrong when i i don't feel any I don't feel any dysphoria when when I when I'm referred to as that way. I don't feel as if I would feel you you euphoric if I would express myself any differently. I mean, I necessarily haven't tried, but you know, you know, there are other people I've had you know guests on the show who describe the you know the dysphoria of of of, of how they were when before you know their you know procedures and then the euphoria they feel now because they're able to be their true authentic selves you know i have family members a family member who who is a trans woman who is much happier with her life now that she's able to live her true self you know it's 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 just yeah so... that's great i mean it's just if you feel that way then that's great I, and i certainly don't want to i have my friend I, 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 have, well, I have a friend of mine who I, I with with his permission I blow some of their minds with it cuz like what would you I was like I have a friend of mine who literally is considered a trans male because uh he was assigned female at birth despite the fact that he also is XY chromosomally but because of oh, okay. whatever 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 genetics took place or whatever other factors were there um developed you know what parts would that would make the doctor say, oh, that, that's a female. So, you know, and, and they yeah. don't know how to handle that because they don't know how to handle, you know, quote, exceptions or whatever. And, and, and then they're like, oh, that's just an exception. Well, you have to be able to, they're people too, though. And you have to be able to handle and, and, and respect and honor everybody and not just treat them just, oh, well, they're just exceptions and so let's write them off. No, we have to, ha- we have to be able to treat everybody with dignity and respect. So, like intersex people are not as rare as I think some people think. I heard right. uh, somebody say that they're as common as redheaded people, and that's pretty close to accurate. Um, so it, there's actually a lot. There's a there's so much um, variety, even with biological sex. Um, you know, same as gender. Right. I mean, there's there's, there's more than two combinations of xy chromosomes you know there's at least six you know there's 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 plenty of different ways biologically speaking that 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 people develop there's there's no set 
level of hormones for men and women. You know, hormones can affect, you know, how people develop differently as well. You know, people face, um, like, trans misogyny, even if they're not trans. Like, what's the name of that Olympic athlete, I think, from, was it Castor? Something, some, uh, I can't remember her last name. But they're always, like, wanting to give her tests because they think that she's a trans oh, woman. Naturally because high testosterone. Yeah, because but she's 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 a cis woman. She just happens to have high levels of testosterone because that's what her body naturally creates. And you know, yeah, we just have to stop pe- putting people in little boxes because that's not yeah. how humans actually are. We don't all fit into nice little boxes, and that's kind of beautiful, I think. Yeah, and, and we should. Just, I always say, people ask me, how many genders are there? Infinite, infinite genders. You know, because yeah. everybody is everybody is a unique person, and everybody is unique, and everybody should be, you know, be allowed to define themselves as they wish, and we should everybody should be respectful of that. It doesn't hurt anybody to do that, and that just you know, for some, I, it seems natural to me, but I guess it doesn't seem natural. As I was saying earlier, you know, it, but when I was talking about how you know the response to COVID, you know, empathy is something that seems to be lacking amongst many conservatives today and it's it's an unfortunate reality that 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 we have so many people who will tell me who are conservatives who are christians that it's all about love and love of christ and this that the other but in reality they don't live that because they lack so much empathy for for every for the people that just need empathy and it just doesn't exist and it's a sad reality especially especially where you live up in the north shore Oh, yeah. I mean, on the bright side, though, we do, since the um, kind of pro-censorship movement started, um, we've had a resurgence of activists here um, like I've never seen before. Uh, We have so many people. I mean, I think you had Britt Gandolfi on your show recently. She's on the show. She will be on again. And you're welcome to come on anytime as well. Thank you. Yeah, she's amazing. I mean, like people like Britt, are popping up um, left and right. Uh, we have Joan Simon, who's an active, a local activist here. Right. Um, I Joan. Yeah, if you go to one of our library board meetings, you will hear like dozens of who are now, I would say, are activists speaking up for democracy, for LGBTQ rights. Um, it's really, like, I guess for every... Um, Connie Phillips <laughs> yeah. has been leading the charge of the pro censorship. For every Connie Phillips, there's a there's an activist who's sprouted up, um, you know, to combat that hate. So that's that's encouraging. I don't want to I don't want to sound like it's all doom and gloom over here. We have some really great people here as well. I mean, there is some. I mean, I've been up there, but yes, I mean, it's it's good to see that. <laughs> that people are coming together and people are fighting back. It's such unfortunate that they have to. So, it um, is, but like, you know, the Library Alliance, which is the organization that formed to fight the censorship movement, is much larger than um, the Accountability Project, which is Connie's organization. Right. So... Um, anything else you want to say about the campaign? I know you have to go and, and, and uh, get the kiddo ready for bed for school. So but anything else you want to share about the campaign before I let you go? Yeah, I would just say um, 
I need every I need everybody who's listening to this to please vote on October 14th. Um, this is a really important election, and I know some people, some progressives, we especially in Louisiana, we can get the idea that it's hopeless here, or that our vote doesn't matter, or you know that's not true. Uh, we actually have more registered Democrats in Louisiana than Republicans. So, you know, in some of these statewide elections, gerrymandering doesn't matter. Uh, we can win right. these. So you please, please, I'm begging all of you guys, please go vote. We do have some really amazing candidates who are going to be running. Um, Dustin Granger, Sean Wilson, Brick and Dolphy, Lindsay Teak, um, just and more. But, um, yeah. Please go vote. That's my okay. We do. We have a, in the chat. We have a link to your website in the chat. It's mel4louisiana.com. It's the number four, mel4louisiana.com. I have a link also in the chat description on both Blog Talk Radio and on the YouTube YouTube video as well. And what I'll do after the show at some point, I don't know if I'll do it today or not, um, but I'll try and make sure to to cut out this segment just by in and of itself and make it its own separate video so you can share that alone and be able to share that with everybody as well, and so you can get you know, just this interview out by itself without everything else around it. So, again, thank you so much for coming on the show. I wish you the best of luck uh, coming out there. If, if you need any uh, advice or help or anything, I, don't, I mean, I didn't do that great when I ran either. But, you know, 12,000 yeah, votes well, is not horrible. But, you know, but if, if well, you know. Yeah, but if you're out here on the North Shore, um, send me a text and we'll, we'll grab a drink. We can talk absolutely. about next, the, next the time, club. Next time I'm up on the North Shore, we'll definitely come up and and, and have a chat to hang out and talk politics, talk the campaign, talk about everything else, too. Sounds great. Okay. Thank you so much, Dan. Thank you so much. That was Mel Manuel for uh, Louisiana, Louisiana Congressional District 1. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Good night, Dan. Bye. All right. I know I did miss a bunch going on in the chat. Um, a lot, I did happen to notice out of the corner of my eye that, uh, Joe, you've been a little bit, uh, salty over there. A lot of people getting aggravated with a lot of the stuff that you've been saying. Um, Wes, I see a couple of things in there that you've been saying bad too. Come on, behave. Um, let's see. Um, do, 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 do. Elizabeth, the point is, unless you're studying human sexuality in university, there's not questions of issues in public school curriculum. Curriculum, sure. What you need, Henry? Okay. Um, do, 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 do. Real Bull P, did you see John Kennedy's BS? Speaking of which, should I should I do it now? Um, did I see John Kennedy's BS? I guess this is the point in the show where I should again remind everybody that if you are listening without headphones, to either put them on or or mute it so where you could not hear it, or where other people who you might not want hearing something of an adult nature to go ahead and uh, to go ahead and 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 mute it or what have you. Uh, because John Neely Kennedy, a senator of the great state of Louisiana, is this is uh is brings you this week's words of redneck wisdom. 
And now, words of redneck wisdom, brought to you by Liberal Dan Radio. I put some lube on and got him on his knees, and I began to slide into him from behind. I pulled out of him and kissed him while he masturbated. He asked me to turn over while he slipped a condom on himself. This was my ass and I was struggling to imagine someone inside me. He got on top and slowly inserted himself into me. It was the worst pain I think I have ever felt in my life. Eventually, I felt a mix of pleasure with the pain. I got a new strap-on harness today. I can't wait to put it on you. It will fit my favorite dildo perfectly. You're going to look so hot. I can't wait to have your cock in my mouth. I'm going to give you the blowjob of your life. Then I want you inside of me. And this concludes Words of Redneck Wisdom, brought to you by Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. And there you go. That is Louisiana Senator John Neely Kennedy in the Senate, in a hearing, reading from two separate books, uh, dealing with this is all about the whole book censorship issue. One of the, I guess two of the books that they're making a big stink about over, you know, whether or not certain books should be allowed in certain schools or not. Um did you ever think that we would have a day where we would be, we would have a sitting senator in the middle, in sitting in the Senate itself, in a committee hearing, reading from a book like that, saying those words? <laughs> Kimchi, play it again. Uh, I may very well. Do. I mean, this is, this is available on YouTube and other other video other videos. It, I mean, I downloaded the video from YouTube, but I will upload that to be a separate clip, so you'll be able to read it. Maybe at the wait, play it again, but let Aaron read it this time. That that's up to Aaron. Um, do you want me to do an imitation of John Neely Kennedy talking about the, the strap on? <laughs> This is very recently, P-Dubs. I mean, this is literally, um, like, within the past couple days, I think. Just, ugh. Yes, conservative Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana, no less, reading this in the middle of the U.S. Senate. Just, ugh. And... And like, look, the first thing when my wife showed it to me, I was like, is this like chat GPT? Did somebody do, was somebody like, hey, can you have, uh, make it so that you have, it sounds like John Kennedy reading this book? No, this is John Kennedy reading this book. And 
OMG, when I when I heard when I heard it, it was just this has to be words of redneck wisdom. There is no way that it cannot be words of redneck. And the only reason I decided to play it on the show and not be like, if you want to go hear it, go listen to the Patreon. Go listen to it on Patreon. The only reason I I did that is because I've downloaded the audio is available on YouTube already. So since the audio is available on YouTube already, I was like, well, since that you can hear it on YouTube, since it's literally available on YouTube, this is something that probably aired on C-SPAN. I think I'm safe airing it on my podcast as well. Um, Elizabeth, I pictured Kevin McCarthy on all fours with Marge with the whip. Well, Marge would be cuckolding uh, McCarthy with somebody else. That's what that's what Marge would be doing. Dan, get off the mic and let Aaron roll. Aaron, first of all, Aaron would have to call in, and she would have to get the book. Um, Aaron, you're welcome to call in and, and and start reading the reading from the book if you so choose. Um, this is going to be this is this going to become the first episode of Liberal Dan After Dark? Do I have to start making a new channel now? Um, Colony MP, my heart just gave out. I lost all blood pressure in my upper. Is that a is that a is that a um, a different way to say that something else is happening with your body, Demonon. I don't need that picture. Uh. <laughs> and P Dub said it in the same said the same thing in a much different way. Uh, this show is going off the rails. <laughs> Anywho, uh, so yes, that was our one of our two senators. Aren't we proud? Devin, you make it sound like me getting off the mic and letting Aaron get on the mic. It makes it sound like Aaron's right here. I mean, she's not right here. She's in North Carolina. I, I, I can't just get off the mic and have her just hop on here and be like, start chatting. I mean, if she was, she'd be welcome to, but she's not. So, yes, Elizabeth, this is going to be in the permanent congressional record. This is how far our country has gone. As soon as Mel mentioned the 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 went with the book, the book um, banning, I was like, oh, we have something to play about that later, but I didn't want to bury the lead. <laughs> Kimchi, Elizabeth, and get Mitch says, can I get another bump? No, that's not what Mitch McConnell would say. Mitch McConnell would say. That's what he would say. Uh, make it happen, Dan. Figure it out. I don't know. I'm kind of embarrassed of how this room looks right now because of my children have have turned this room into an absolute pigsty. Um, Kennedy got that lube from Russell Brand's hair. Right, I was using a little too much angel dust. I'm Russell Brand, and I'm using too much angel dust, and I let John Kennedy touch my hair, and then uh, he used it on his on his dildo. And he put it on his strap on, and he and, and then I I got the best blowjob of my life because I'm Russell Russell Brand. <laughs> the socks stay on. I don't know if I'd want to see any of those people's feet. So <laughs> I bet Jesus is blushing. I mean, Jesus did hang out with the hookers, right? Um, let's see. I, it would be. Div- I would love to see how MSNBC and or Fox News reported that. It would be just like, 
it would be like someone sending Morse code. Mainstream media reporting, that would be like just reporting Morse code. That's why you need alternative media, so we can talk about the filth. Yes, Russell Brand is grotesque. It was funny. I was watching some, I don't know if it was the Arthur remake or whatever, or some other Russell Brand movie before he went completely nuts off the rails. I mean, I don't know if he was ever on the rails, but before he went completely off the rails, <laughs> that was a page from Lindsey Graham's autobiography. <laughs> Holy shit. That's amazing. Um, but... He's sitting there, he's talking about drugs that he was doing. And I was like, I just want to hear Russell Brand say angel dust. And I was like, if he just says angel dust, that will make this movie great. If he just says angel dust. And then like five minutes later, he was like, oh, and I did some angel dust. And I was like, yes, he said it. Um, Lindsay better keep his heels on. Oh, a comedian named Tommy Campbell. He does impressions of Mitch. Mitch, oh, is it a... They're like, I'm Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. Can I get a bump? <laughs> well, is that to restart him or something? Is, is it recently with the can I get a bump? Or or is it like, can I get a what what? <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, six minutes of truth and until it gets fixed, none of it matters. What? What are you talking about, Gibson? Anyway. So let us, we're going to start, let's, let's do this. Let's, we are going to uh, show image. Let's do this. We're going to change the show image to uh, this. There we go. Responding to comments because we're going to move to this part of the show now because I'll have to check him out. Tommy Campbell. Okay. I'll, I'll check out Tommy Campbell. All right. So let's, let's go over to the YouTube. Let's go find this comment on the video. And we're going to, we're going to record, we're going to record me responding to actually, let's put it up here. So it's easy. So it looks like I'm actually looking at the camera instead of, yeah. Pain in my butt. There we go. No, that didn't work. There we go. <sighs> oh boy, the Stuttering John podcast is on too. Woohoo. Um do 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 do. Oh, by the way, I guilted some of my friends into uh, into uh, I basically was like, "Look, that, that that's me talking. I don't want to have me talking. I just want the comments." Um, let's see, where's the comments? Where's the comment section? Donde esta los comentos, por favor? Is that be- oh, there they are. Okay, um, need to find this. Find these comments before I start recording this. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Where did I say it? 
Where did I say I would do this? Where did I say this? Blah, 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 blah. It's so funny, though, in some of these videos, like, I had in one of these videos, like, I've never seen such an example of a pick-me guy. And I'm like, thanks for helping the algorithm. And someone's like, hey, no problem. I hope everyone does well. So at least they're appreciative of it. Um, all right, this guy. There we go. Um, yeah, so this guy gives me a, a long comment. And I'm like, holy stereotypes, Batman. And it's like, I guess you don't want to refute the above statement. And I go, here's the deal. I don't feel like typing it all out, but I'll definitely respond to this on my podcast on Wednesday live. So either feel free to tune in, or maybe if I remember to make a clip of the response and link to it here. Uh, Chris goes, I'm quite confident. I won't be able to tune in due to time zones, but I'll be glad if you would clip it. I was like, fair enough. For some reason, it doesn't get clipped. I'll give you the timestamp. So let's just go back to the chat for a second to see if I'm missing anything. What, Jolie missed all that? Oh, my God, Jolie. You missed a good bit. You missed a good bit, Jolie. Well, Jolie is a patron, though, so Jolie could actually go to the – if Jolie if Jolie is on the patron, she saw, she may have seen the, the, the words of Redneck Wisdom an hour early. So did you see the, today's words of Redneck Wisdom an hour early? No siento mas amigos. <laughs> That's some good uh, pronunciation of that Spanish there, kimchi. I appreciate that. <laughs> Wouldn't it be lo siento and not no siento? <laughs> well, isn't that every week, Demonox? <laughs> Except for Wes, who just calls her a witch every week. You need, you, need, you need a new a descriptor for, for, for Aaron that's, that's ni- maybe nicer, Wes. Um, oh, wait. What was about the Madison Cawthorn thing? Kimchi, what was during the Madison Cawthorn orgy thing? <laughs> oh. <laughs> we call that Wednesdays. <laughs> yes. We should have had like a reaction, uh, just a joint reaction of me. We should have we should have formed Voltron to watch the entirety of the thing and done that. That would have been the best thing to do. Forming Voltron, get Yosh, get Knox, get Chris. Um, shout out to Chris, by the way. He had to stop being a patron for a little bit because he's having some personal money issues. But shout out to him anyway. Oh, wait. <clears throat> Before we start this, the announcement. The announcement. Drum roll, please. Everyone make drum roll sounds, I guess. Uh, sounds at your home or whatever. I don't have a. I don't have a good drum roll, I guess. Uh, drum roll, please. I am not at a thousand subscribers, as you could probably tell. I'm only about seven twenty or something. Um, so there's that. However, I have decided that I am not going to be doing two days of Nerdy Dan streaming on Twitch a week at this point. Um, I think there's a, at the point, NerdyDan.com is kind of, it's, it's steady but stagnant. It's not really growing. So, and I'm not really focused on having that grow. 
I have the people that watch regularly. We get Jolie, we get Aaron, we get Andrea. All of those people come in, and I love when they come in, and I hope that they still continue to come in every Wednesday, every Thursday, I mean. And so that's great. And and most of the stuff that gaming-wise either come out today or Wednesdays and Thursdays anyway. So Thursdays is a good day for gaming. So I'm going to continue to do gaming on Thursdays, Thursday nights at 8. Maybe earlier, I don't know. I'm toying around with the idea of maybe doing it earlier for some for reasons, but that's not part of the announcement. The announcement is starting next week, I'm going to be doing the podcast two days a week. I am going to be doing Mondays and Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Central, here on YouTube and on Blog Talk Radio. Even though I've not hit thousand subscribers yet by doing this i'm still i'm not increasing the amount of time that i'm spending doing streaming i'm still streaming three days a week it's just instead of doing two days a week of nerdy dan i'm doing two days a week of liberal dan maybe that will give me more opportunities more content more chances of attracting in more viewers maybe that'll get the algorithms up maybe that'll give a good kickstart to getting more subscribers um, I'll have to, I'll have to come up with a little bit more content ideas, maybe. But then again, we're getting into election season. You got the Louisiana elections coming up. You got all the lot. You got all of the trials that are coming up. So I don't think I'm going to be lacking in any sort of content in any shape or form in the next coming year or so, year year and a half. So that that's not a big deal. So Mondays and Wednesdays now at 8 p.m. Central here on YouTube and on Blog Talk Radio as well. I will be doing the podcast. Um, I'm not promising that I'll be doing three-hour three shows each day. Yeah, I might still – it might just be one or two hours each day. So it, I don't know. if It might be the same amount of time every week, but we're going to do two different days. We're going to be doing it on two days to get more chance, get the chance of more people to listen, to try and hit more people. So – Hopefully that will help the podcast. Hopefully that will give y'all what you want. And unless for some reason Nerdy Dan takes off, which I've been getting slowly getting more YouTube followers on Nerdy Dan as well for some reason. Um, if, if for some reason Nerdy Dan takes off, if I hit the thousand subscribers and this starts to then take off, maybe I'll then add a Tuesday to it. I was thinking about whether or not to do Monday and Monday and Wednesday or Tuesday and Wednesday. I think it makes more sense to do Monday and Wednesday simply because it makes more sense to have a day between the political podcasts. Um, but if I'm doing Thursday streaming, I think it makes sense if I add a third day to then make it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Whatever. Yes, P does. I saw that. That was in the headlines this week of Bobert being asked to leave, uh, leaving the musical. Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. She left. Uh, don't tell oh, Gibson might still be here. He'll probably see it on Blog Talk Radio since he follows me there anyway. Um, so yeah, we'll so we'll see. You know, so I'll, I'll upload. I'll be uploading the the separate video of separate audio of the words of Redneck Wisdom. I'll be uploading the separate audio of the headlines bit, and I'm, I'll be uploading at least one, if not two, um, toxic masculinity bits as well. So. 
But I think I might be ending this show at 10 because I might have something else to do at 10, Nerdy Dan related, that's not getting streamed. Um, it's something, it's like there's this sort of online game show that I'm participating in. And for some reason, I thought I was going to be safe, but now I'm, I, I'm, in a, I'm in a potential where I might get voted off the island. <laughs> so, as uh, Donald it says. It is what it is. Thank you, Donald. Hope, I don't think I will. But then again, I didn't think I would. I thought I would be. I thought I would be safe this week, and I'm not either. So, wah wah. Yeah, see, I don't know. I want to know who the person Bobert was that she was. Nobody is talking about who she was with. She just said it was Bobert and somebody else. I want to know who she was with, because I haven't seen anything about who Bobo the Clown was with. That's that's to me the salacious thing that that I want to find out about. So. Dan, who's the picture behind me? That's just the, a graphic that a graphic that I found, a free graphic that I found of just an angry man. That's what I'm using for the toxic masculinity background. That's just my this is my whole generic toxic masculinity background is is just this dude being angry and then converting to a crying baby. So, anywho, <laughs> she was being an escort again. She's going back to being an escort because she's afraid she's going to lose her position, maybe. I don't know. Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> okay. So let's go ahead and we're going to start doing this. If you want to, let's, let's, I'll give you the link to the video. Um, this is the, com- this is the video that has the comments. Um, if you want to follow along with the comment in and of itself, whilst, Whatever, but I mean, I'll read it along as well. I'll read it first, and then we'll go from there. So three, two, one. All right, we're back with another uh, video of unraveling toxic masculinity, and this one is promised to one of the people commenting on previous video. Uh, I am reacting to his comment. Uh, I had several comments that were just like, "I disagree," or "You don't know anything. You don't know what you're talking about," and so without any context or without any information as to what they feel I wasn't talking about, didn't know what I was talking about, or they didn't think I knew what I was talking about, there's no way that I could respond to that. However, this individual, James, uh, or somebody else, uh, actually this other person, Rennem5852, wanted me to respond to this other person's comments. So I will respond to this other person's comment. And I will, you know, I'll read it out loud and I'll go ahead and make my responses to what they're saying here. Uh, because uh, my response initially was just, holy stereotypes, Batman. Uh, I guess that wasn't enough to, uh, to, uh, to do that. Um, so um, most, the, I'm going to have to start this over again because I'm getting knocked on the door while in the middle of my podcast. So hold on a second. What do you need? I will wash your school clothes. Yes, after the podcast, I'll wash your school clothes. Okay, yes. Thank you. you could have just sent me a text message. You know, you didn't have to interrupt the podcast. <sighs> Ridiculous. Anyway, let's start it over again because my children who have cell phones don't know how to send a text message. <sighs> anyway. Welcome back to another episode of Unraveling Toxic Masculinity. In this one, I am responding to one of the comments that was on one of the videos uh, that I made previously. So this one comes from uh, user James Morris 1952 
Uh, my initial response was simply, holy stereotypes, Batman. And another user was like, I guess you're not going to refute the above statement. And I really didn't feel like typing it out, but I decided that I was going to instead make a response video with it and post the response video afterwards. So here you are. Um, so it says, most high-powered jobs are held by men because to get these jobs, you have to be incredibly driven to work long hours and to be aggressive to climb up the pole. And if you take 1,000 people, the top 10 most aggressive driven people who will work the long hours tend to be mostly men. It's not like if you're a man, you will just be given the job. Well, let's deal with that comment first. Well, first of all, we have a long history of women not being allowed to give the job or being discouraged from having such jobs because they are driven into the fields where they're not going to be getting, getting the high power jobs. Not tr- they weren't trained for those high power jobs. So it was very rare to see women climbing the ladder to those jobs because when they tried to, uh, they were discouraged from doing so either early on by saying, Oh, don't you want to do this instead? Or, or things like that, or, you know, just simply just encouraged to just do other things anyway, before they'd even got to that point. But then otherwise, you also have the situation where uh, when women would be driven, when women are driven, they're not called driven. They're called aggressive or bossy. You know, there's other words that are used to describe women who have those same characteristics that men do because they don't like when women have those characteristics. So not only do the driven women have to deal with the ingrained sexism that exists already in our society that works to prevent them from reaching those high-powered jobs. And not only are they pushed away from the careers that would have them be able to get those high-powered jobs, not only do they have to work twice as hard to be able to get to those high-powered jobs, when they're, you know, uh, when they're driven, so to speak, they are demeaned for being aggressive or bossy. They're demeaned for, for as, as a negative. They're viewed as having negative traits because they're women and they're not supposed to be like that. So that's one of the reasons. So then that's very, that's very not only just demeaning to the people, that's, that makes them not want to then try to get there. I mean, some people are still going to do it anyway. When you have, I mean, I might not agree with, people like Meg Whitman, for an example, but she is somebody who did, despite all those other things, managed to climb that corporate ladder and get to the job. But I'm sure the amount of work that Meg Whitman had to do to be able to get there and the amount of derision that she had to get for being, quote, driven, that she had to dodge those things so she wouldn't have to be seen as bossy. So next paragraph, women in all high power jobs complain that they have to work really hard to get there. Well, yeah, it's not that they have to, it's not that they're complaining that they have to work really hard to get there. It's that they have to work twice as hard to get there because they have to work, put in more work than normal because they have to convince the people who are going to be giving the promotions that they're deserving of the promotion because they have to overcome the stereotypes that already exist that women can't do the job, the stereotypes that you, Mr. James Morris, 1952, are perpetuating with your posts, with your response to my video. So yes, they have to work 
the normal amount of hard do the normal amount of hard work that everybody would have to do to get there, plus the additional hard work to convince others that they can do the job that people assume that they're not going to be able to do because they're women. Um, so, so yes, they have to do more hard work than normal. So no, the men, so he goes, you have the men, they worked just as hard and you have to keep dipping into the past to look at our unfairness. Well, it's not about dipping into the past to look at unfairness because you have to look into the past to see why these systemic problems exist. It's like the race issue, not, not the race black versus white issue, but the race issue of, let's say you have two equal people. In this case, we're going to use a man and a woman. Let's say the man and the woman are equally talented athletes who could, who could, do, who could race the same amount of time in the same amount of speed, all of the things being equal, right? Now, you're going to say, oh, but men typically can race faster than men or blah, blah, blah. No. We're just going to assume in this hypothetical scenario that we found two people, one man and one woman, who are equally athletically capable. And if you gave them the same track, the same, the same starting time, and they ran side by side, that they would finish at the exact same time, right? But in, in, the, in, the, in the man's track, there's no hurdles. In the women's track, there's now a bunch of hurdles because you have the, the sexism of, oh, you can't be too bossy. There's the sexism of, you know, oh, you, 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 have to, you have to act this way and that way. And if you act overly aggressive, you're bossy. If you act under aggressive, well, you can't take the high pressure environment. There's, oh, well, you know, if you have to dress a particular way, you know, the men have to, are going to wear suits with jackets and ties and long pants, but the women you have to wear dresses that have less material. At, so now we're going to keep you cold in the building. And you don't think about those things because as the men, we're, 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 we're nice and warm. But the women have less clothes on because they they're have less material on their clothes and they have to be freezing in the office. So the, lots of other things that get thrown in the way of women. You know, there's the thought, oh, well, if the woman, the woman might be pregnant. So if the woman decides to get pregnant, well, that's just time that we're, we don't want to have to deal with that. another thing. Well, instead of that, well, why don't we just consider, well, if, if the man is married, let's just make sure that he gets paternity leave too. So both men and women or anybody else of any other gender get off for children. If, if you have a child, you get to get off for, for having a child for a certain amount of time, regardless of what your gender is, regardless of whether or not you are the person who delivered the child or not, because there's needs that a young infant might have that you need to take care of. So let both parents take off. That's what a good society would do, but we're not there yet. Back to what the person says. If you want to play that game, men only got to vote a short time before women. Okay. But still, they still had the vote. For enough why so both men and women couldn't vote except for landowning men which is a few men and so if you said it's not a privilege so working class men and women couldn't vote but men could be conscripted who was more oppressed that's just word salad yes men could be conscripted but that, that that's that's the whole thing of well men would be conscripted into the military because they viewed women as not being capable of doing that job right because we lived in a patriarchal society they always love to go into, well, men were forced to do this, so therefore men were discriminated against. 
men were treated as if they were somehow more capable of all of these other things and women were viewed as weak little horrible you know people who could only do certain things and so they were shoved into relegated into these other conditions that were Perhaps these other women would be able to serve in the military if they so wanted to. And there are women now today who want to serve, who, you know, who do serve well. They serve, you know, perfectly capably. But back then, they would only conscript men. Why not just conscript everybody who's able-bodied? If you could do the job, why does it matter what parts you have? See, that's the thing. Because we still viewed women as being lesser as a society. That's why women were oppressed. You, you can't just cherry pick one thing out and say, see, men are more oppressed because we got, men got conscripted. No, because there's, you have to look at the entirety of the thing. You can't just look at one thing in a vacuum. Let's see. He goes, you also, also you said you agreed with her that we can't take the average when you said earlier that privilege is the average. So you are willing to judge a privilege on average, but nothing else. Um, no, that's not what I said. I said privilege is about averages. So I, when it comes to privilege, yes, privilege is about what the average person has to deal with. So on average, a person with privilege has to deal with less hurdles than a person without privilege. But that doesn't mean that you should treat an individual like you, that you should look at a person and say, that person is incapable of doing something because they are part of a group. There's two completely different lines of thought there. You can look at the privilege or the lack of privilege of somebody and understand what they may have had to deal with in their lives because of the group they're a part of, but you can't necessarily look at somebody and say what they can't do because they're in a particular group. That's two completely different things that this person is conflating. So a person goes, I don't appreciate your constant assertion that whoever doesn't agree with you doesn't understand. Well, no, I'm not going to say that whoever doesn't agree with me doesn't understand. There are people who haven't agreed with me who have made good points and I've eventually changed my mind. You just have to make a good point. But there are plenty of people who don't agree, who don't understand. Because when you try and define privilege as what an individual goes through, instead of what as the group goes through, you're literally not understanding what the word privilege means. So in the Netherlands, they tried to wipe out gender stereotypes. They found out there are some jobs women pick less more than men, so there is some difference on average. Well, because you can't just wipe it out with a snap. You can't just Thanos it. You can't just get all the infinity stones and be like, gender stereotypes, gone. You can't. It's something that has to be systemically wiped away. So if, if you said, okay, no gender stereotypes whatsoever, you're still going to have people who were raised in a society with gender stereotypes. So you have to wean society off of it. So yeah, you're going to have to deal with it over the course of time. That's why you're not, that's, that's why in some, on the other side of the coin, when you're trying to look at pay equity, you're not going to fix pay equity like that either. You're going you're gonna to have a situation where if, if you're trying to fix pay equity, you're going to have a situation where, yeah, you have men who have, have always earned more, and then you're going to have women who are going to gradually start earning more. You're not going to be able to snap your fingers and get women instantly earning exactly the same as men. 
they're going to be earn, earning their way up as you start putting more and more women into leadership positions as they as they earn their way up th- through the ranks. So it's not going to be an instant boom. There you go. Now there should be circumstances where you can instantly change the people who are being discriminated against as a, on a wage level. Where if you look at individual people who are working at a job, let's say you have two people who are doing the same job, one man, one woman, who are doing the same job, and one's getting paid much less because of, of gender, gender roles and because of their gender, then sure, you can fix that like that with a Thanos snap. But you're, you're, you're going to have to – it's going to take time for it to go all throughout society. You're not going to be able to finish, fix all of the problems in an instant but you can start working your way through it. So the same thing happens with your example in the Netherlands. You're not going to fix you know, the gender stereotype problem in a day. You're gonna, it's going to be something that's going to be done over time. So yeah, so as you're fixing the, the gender, gender stereotype problems, you're going you're gonna to still see people who are going to pick those gender-specific jobs that were where women were driven to or men were driven to because that's just a remnant of what existed. But as you get rid of those antiquated gender roles, at the end of the day, you're going to start seeing more and more people having those fall by the wayside. And even if you end up having some jobs where you still have like maybe 80% men or 80% women, you've still given people the choice where they choose to go to. That's the, that's the ultimate thing. If, if it ends up being a pure choice, then fine, it's a choice. But it's not currently that way. It's not currently a choice. We currently still have sexist views that say men do this and women do this because that is the roles that men and women play. And as law, and that's especially what these toxic masculine videos that I'm responding to do. They are trying to desperately hang on to these antiquated gender roles that put men as superior Women as inferior, only men do this, only women do this. They ignore the, you know, the gender, bi- the, 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 that we shouldn't have a gender binary. They ignore all that altogether. They ignore non-binary, gender non-conforming folks. They just stick with men and women, which is why I'm talking in a gender binary, because that's what they deal with. And they're desperately trying to hold on because that's the only way that these so-called alphas can maintain their power. It's the only way that these so-called alphas can convince their subscribers who pay like $100 a super chat to continue paying $100 a super chat. That's why when the Fresh and Fit podcast got demonetized, Myron cried or almost cried. I don't know if he actually shed tears or it looked like he, was, he got choked up at least. Why did it? Because he wasn't going to be able to get the $100 super chats from all of his simps of all the people who want to be just like him, so he's gonna, they're going to keep on sending him super chats to have him read the chats on the air or have the fake voice, read the robotic voice, read the, maybe that's the whatever podcast that has the fake voice. I don't know. Maybe both do it. I, don't, I haven't watched them enough yet to know whether or not to use the fake voice. Either way, these podcasts that promote toxic masculinity need to maintain these artificial gender roles, so they're going to continue to perpetuate them in order to keep their status. Because without that, and if people start to learn that, if people start to learn that 
these people aren't right, that these people aren't, don't really have it the right way, aren't really you know, speaking the truth, and that they're misleading their followers, they're going to start losing their followers. They're going to start losing their gravy train. Because here's the deal, and here's the end of the video that I, that I wanted to talk about, is that these folks would have you believe that all these men just want subservient women, that they want, they want to be the alphas, that they want these subservient women who will just listen to everything that they say. They don't want equal partners, that they, that they don't care about having somebody who loves and care about them. All they want is, as I said in a previous video, walking, talking, vaginas, and uteruses. They want somebody who's going to be there, who's going to look attractive, who's going to give them sex whenever they want, who's going to give them children, and who otherwise is just going to listen and obey to everything that they say, because that's what they preach women should do to the so-called alpha male. And they've misled their audience into thinking, well, yeah, that's what I should want. Yeah. But in reality, I think that, I, I mean, I'm sure a lot of their audience just really want that too. But I, I'm sure deep down, there's probably a good portion of their audience who, would, who, if they really thought about it, would really just want somebody to have a good partnership with somebody. You can't have a partnership with somebody if that person isn't your equal. Now, that person doesn't have to be your equal because they both bring the same amount of money in. That, that, that's not how you define equality in a relationship. That person just has to be the equal in that you both come to the table and you form a partnership. You form, you, you, you form a whole. You're, you're two parts of a whole, and you fit together as one. Right? Let's look at my wife, for example. My wife is a wonderful person. I wouldn't want my wife to be somebody who was just subservient to me. I wouldn't want my wife to be somebody who, um, who was somebody that just listened to everything I said and did, did, did nothing. I mean, we joke around that she never listens to what I say, and then that's the running joke. But at the end of the day, she does listen to what I say when it comes to, you know, my opinion about things. There was one time we were, we were, we were, you know, she was went to some political thing where she was like, it was like a survey group or something. And somebody uh, was making some points about some politician that they were serving about. And, and this person was like, Oh, well, this politician did this, this, and this. And then she goes, well, no, that's not true because in reality he did this, 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 and this. And I was like, you really do listen to me. That's awesome. But that's listening to me in that she, she, absorbed what I said and respected me enough to, to hear what I was saying. She did, it was not a matter of obeying. That's what these toxic folk want. They want people, women who obey them. I don't want somebody who is going to obey me. I want somebody who's going to be my equal, my equal partner. I want somebody who is going to, you know, going to where, where we can sit down and we can make a decision together on something and we can come to a, a joint decision on how we raise our children on, on, if we're gonna like these people, like if, if you if they were gonna like buy a house to you know, I'm, I'm I almost said together, they wouldn't buy a house together. These people would be like, okay, we're gonna get a new house and I'm gonna buy it and you're gonna you're gonna be happy with it, whatever I pick. That's what these people would do. 
I would want, if, if we were to move, I would want to go with my wife and say, what do you want? What do I want? Let's go look at these houses together, and we're going to make the decision on what we think is the best for the both of us. Because you can't have a partnership with somebody who is subservient. You can only have a partnership with somebody who you, you view as your equal. And only somebody who is your equal will be somebody who can stand up for you and have your back. Only somebody that is your equal will be somebody who will stand up for you when you need it. Because nobody, I don't care how manly of a man you think you are, nobody is that strong of a person that you, that you, can't, you don't have to lean on anybody anytime. Nobody is that strong of a person. Where you, where you can make it through life without leaning on anybody at all. That's why you see a lot of depression where, where people don't have anybody to lean on, and, and that's when a lot of depression comes into play. You, you, if you were in a relationship with somebody who cares about you, who loves you, who truly loves you and cares about you, that person is going to have your back. And that per- you can't have that person's back if you're subservient. You're not, going to, you're not going to be the type of person who's going to stand up for your partner if you're subservient. Because subservient people don't stand up for any, anybody. Subservient people are timid. Subservient people just sit back and just listen to what the other person says. I love that my wife has my back. I love that if she needs to, if I need her to, that she will go handle business. Does that mean that I always need her to handle business? No. There are times when she needs me to handle business and I will handle business. There are times where I will handle my own business. And there are times where she will handle her own business because we're both strong people who can handle our business a good portion of the time. But we know that we can rely on each other because we're a relationship of equals. That should be the ultimate goal. If you're looking for somebody who's going to be a true life partner and not just somebody who is a status symbol or a trophy. Because if you, if you just want somebody who is a status symbol or a trophy, that is an empty life that's meaningless. But that's what those people, that's what these, that's what these people who are, in these videos, the whatever podcast, the, the fresh and fit podcast, all these other people, that's what they're selling, a meaningless life of triviality. And they're selling, this, they're selling this to their listeners who are buying it up, who think that, it, and, and they're selling it, they're snake oil salesmen. They're, they're making it look like it's the best thing since sliced bread. They're, they're painting it up and making it look like it's the greatest thing ever. Sure, why wouldn't, I, why wouldn't I as a 30-something-year-old incel love to know how to, how to date an 18- to 21-year-old who's a hottie or whatever? Why wouldn't I love to know how to do that? So I'm going to continue to give these people $100 Super Chats so I can be seen by, hopefully be seen by Myron or whoever. Why would, I'll continue to do that. And I'll continue, continue to support these guys. Hopefully their lessons will one day rub off in me and I'll one day be a, be an alpha male too. No, you won't. Because as I said in the first introduction to this series, 
if everybody's an alpha male, then no one's an alpha male. Now, nobody is an alpha male because there's no really such thing as an alpha male. It's a construct. It's made up. It's something that they made up because they want to sell you on this idea that you can be this made-up fake thing, that you can live this lifestyle that they've concocted so they can be rich and y'all can be sad, depressed incels and, and who are you, and who are they going to blame? They're not going to blame Myron from Fresh and Fit. They're not going to blame all the other podcasts who are preaching this toxicity. They're not going to blame themselves for falling for it. They're going to blame women because that's who they, Myron and the other folks tell them to blame. They're going to blame everybody else except themselves. Because at the end of the day, that's who Myron and everybody else are going to tell them to blame. It's all the women's fault. It's all feminism's fault. It's all society's fault for for trying to convince women that they somehow should want to be considered equal to everybody else. And they shouldn't want to be subservient to people. Well, they're selling this life of, 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 of emptiness and vapid culture. And it's just, and not for me, but it's not for a lot of people as well. So that's why I'm making this. One of the reasons I'm making this. Last week I talked about why I'm making this video series, and one of the reasons I'm making the video series is is because uh, I want to I want to want it to be there for my boys as, as an example of what not to do in relationships. But I also wanted to be there as, as to, to help explain to these people who are being conned, because you're being conned into thinking that this is how to find marriage. This is how to find somebody who you're going to marry. This is how to be happy. You're not going to be happy. This is not the way to. The way to be happy is to is to is not is not to find somebody who is going to just obey you and follow you, you know, and, and listen to your every command. That's not happiness. The way to be happy is to find somebody again who has your back, who is going to be your partner, who is going to love you and care for you for who you are not for what you can give them. And if you find that, that's truly happy. But the only way you can find that is if you stop listening to these asshats and start reflecting on yourself and learning, first of all, how to love yourself. And second of all, learning how to treat other people with respect because you're not going to find somebody who's going to love you and care for you and respect you and have your back if you don't know how to respect them first. Anyway, what are your thoughts on this video on the initial thoughts in response to Mr. James Morris, 1952, or my response or my thoughts, comments afterwards, leave your comments below, like, and share, and remember to subscribe to the channel. And thank you very much and have a good day. Not ending the podcast at this point, but that's just ending the video as I am. Now let's scroll back. <coughs> to see the comments. Um, I'm a Chad and Dan's logic scares my tiny peen. I'm going to drive off in my super tube up Silverado and blast my music and cruise by because I'm an alpha bro. LOL. <laughs> Gibson Media, 15.7 million white Americans, almost twice as many as black Americans live in poverty. Why would we deem all white people as rich? Because you're a because you're ignoring one specific point, intersectionality. There is such a thing as class privilege. 
privilege does not just come as a matter of race or, or gender. Privilege comes in all shapes and sizes. So you can, you can be, if, you, if you're white and if you're not white, white people have pri- white privilege. Non-white people don't have white privilege. If you're a male, you have male privilege. If you're not a male, you don't have male privilege. If you're straight, you have straight privilege. If you're not straight, you don't have straight privilege. If you're Christian, you have Christian privilege. If you're not Christian, you don't have Christian privilege. If you're thin, you have thin privilege. If you're not thin, you don't have thin privilege. I could go on. If you're cisgender, you have cisgender privilege. If you're not, if you're trans, you don't have cisgender privilege. So yes, those white Americans who are twice as many as black Americans living as poverty, but see, here's the thing. There are, if, if there are white Americans or twice, there are twice as many white Americans as black Americans living in poverty, but there are seven times more white people than black people. If you're a black person, you're three and a half times more likely to be living in poverty. Which means that's white privilege because you're not getting the math. You're leaving out a very important part of the calculation here. If, yes, more white people live in poverty than black people. Twice as many white people live in poverty than black people. However, seven times more white people are in America than black people. So if you're a black person, you're do the math, you are three and a half times more likely to be in poverty if you're a black person than you're a white person. That's white privilege. That's, that's the part that you miss. Let's see. Let's see. Blah, blah, blah. Let's roll, scroll back. I miss a lot in this chat. See, Adam Juno, this looks like somebody I should never listen to. I wonder if you're still here, Adam. Um, Thank you, Kim Chi, for your kind words. Liberal Dan is actually the most most intelligent, witty, and interesting. Thank you so much, Kim Chi. You're awesome. I love you. Um... I wonder at what point was that comment made? I, I wonder, I'm wondering where that was made and, and if, if, if I'd made them run away or not. <laughs> but thank you for the, uh, th- thank you uh, anyway, Adam Juno, for helping the algorithms, the algorithms. Um, single childless, overpaid, inadequate white man, someone I rarely feel, <laughs> rarely feel for. Nice. Um, if they take time off to have a kid, they get left behind. Exactly. Uh, Aaron, sorry, my internet dot dropped for a couple of minutes. That's totally your fault, Aaron. Just kidding. Um, Trucker John was here. Hey, Trucker John. Hope you're still here to hear me saying hey. Um, Manager asked me if I could be a professional and wear makeup at 45. I said, do you wear makeup to look professional? F off. Yeah, exactly. I wish I would have read that because that was a good point. Um, 
Kimchi, so many times you're corrected by an ass, by an ass for a quick grab. I've learned to keep the elbow and knee ready at every moment. My mom one time was being harassed by somebody, so she kept a, uh, a water gun Uzi at her desk. And, and when, when he went, the, the, when she was harassed one time, when he said something horrible to her, he, uh, she uh, used the water gun and shot him right in the crotch with the water gun, and he never did it again because he was super embarrassed that he had a, a nice wet spot on his crotch. <laughs> um Say how women get half of your stuff and steal your kids when at war because they are lonely and then you pay half your check when you fight for the freedom of been there. Well, part of the problem is that, say how is that with, with the, um, the child, there, there's a perceived issue in, in paternity or in child court simply because of the fact that we, we, we consider women to be the default child raisers, then that's part of the patriarchy. Um, Let's scroll down. Do, 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 do. I'm probably only going to be doing that one video. So yeah, a couple should compliment each other, feel each other's weakness and strength, like each person their strengths. Yeah. Alpha males on period simulators, are they men enough to try and how long can they go? Nice. The men abandon the natural function and the women burn the desire to one of the men and men committing indecent acts and receiving their own person. What? I don't get what that's about. You're basically talking about people, you know, being homosexuals and, you know, the fact that there have been homosexuals throughout the years. It hasn't changed anything. Um, there's a new viral TikTok, Men's Can't Men's Challenge. I'll have to check that out. Um, I simply point to glaring fallacies of the all-consuming white privilege narrative that is the greater national discourse in today's politics. Well, you did it point to the glaring fallacies of the white privilege narrative because you didn't you didn't show the fallacy because in fact you proved it you proved it gibson media because you gave the you gave the data but you just didn't present it correctly <laughs> um let's see Boo-boo-boo. constitution is not modeled after the bible uh Hey Andrea, Andrea, you missed you missed the best part of the show. <laughs> before we go, um, before we, I think I'm probably going to end the show soon. Um, before we go, since Andrea is here, and I don't think Andrea is a patron yet, so this will be posted at some point this week, probably later or in the morning tomorrow. But let's go ahead. Um, again, don't play this if children are around, but we're going to go ahead and play this week's Words of Redneck Wisdom, brought to you by Senator from Louisiana, John Kennedy, um, because of the whole um, desire of conservatives to ban books. So he decided to read from two of the books. So we are going to, uh, we are going to uh, play this again and see if Gibson Media has anything to uh, say about my correcting him on his math before we leave. But let's let's play Words of Regnant Wisdom one more time because it's just that hilarious. Don't blush too hard. And now, Words of Redneck Wisdom, brought to you by Liberal Dan Radio. I put some lube on and got him on his knees. 
and I began to slide into him from behind. I pulled out of him and kissed him while he masturbated. He asked me to turn over while he slipped a condom on himself. This was my ass, and I was struggling to imagine someone inside me. He got on top and slowly inserted himself into me. It was the worst pain I think I have ever felt in my life. Eventually, I felt a mix of pleasure with the pain. I got a new strap-on harness today. I can't wait to put it on you. It will fit my favorite dildo perfectly. You're going to look so hot. I can't wait to have your cock in my mouth. I'm going to give you the blowjob of your life, then I want you inside of me. And this concludes Words of Redneck Wisdom, brought to you by Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. So there again, this week's words of redneck wisdom. Yours are, I guess, my senator John Neely Kennedy, um, putting the emphasis on Neely. I guess maybe that's why he's John Neely Kennedy because li- literally his middle name is Neely. Putting the emphasis on Neely today uh, because he uh, he read that on the congressional record, so that is now in the annals annals of history for all time now very specifically and carefully saying annals of history annals not the other word and yes i say i say i say a foghorn leghorn <laughs> this bastard just ruined mm slash for everybody oh <laughs> uh. Uh, I, somebody said, "Would you do you want to hear John Neely Kennedy talking about uh, talking about that? I'd rather drink weed killer because that was one of his one of his earlier campaign commercials. He talked about you know if he would want to do something, and his response was, "I'd rather uh, I'd rather drink a weed killer. It's not even Neely, it's Neely. I guess he likes to kneel now. Um, gives me a 22% among whites of single parent homes back for the poverty rate among married black Americans is a constant lower than white power. And let's see. And you quote these figures, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're coming to the right conclusions on those figures. Because again, I mean, I haven't seen you respond. Uh, Andrew, he did say this on the congressional record. He said this on the congressional record live in the committee meeting for all the world to see. It's a whole new world, a great, fantastic point of view. Neil and Bob are his good friends, yes. Um, Let's see. Um, An illustrated study published by the Journal of Marriage and Family found that when controlling for for family structure, the black-white poverty gap is reduced by over 70%. Um, Okay, but... If you're controlling for family structure and then you look at what the government has done to specifically target black families in when it comes to crime and, you know, put crack into the black communities and, 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 and disproportionately target black families 
disproportionately arrest black people for crimes that they wouldn't arrest white people for, disproportionately set higher bail for black people than they would for white people, disproportionately lock people up in jail waiting for sentence than they would for white people, disproportionately disproportionately higher sentences for black people than they would for white people. Um, doing all of, The way that the, our system of injustice has treated black people than white people, especially black men, is it no surprise then that that would be have a problem on the black family as a whole because they've went in there and specifically targeted the black family by going in there and ripping the black men out by specifically targeting them. Right? You probably don't want to admit that though, right? So, but again, I'm I'm seeing that you still have not, at least I'm not seeing that you've not responded to my point about the math, that if you have two times as many white families living in poverty than black families, that means if you're in a black family, you're three and a half times more likely to be living in poverty than you are if you're a white family. So white families are less likely to be poor than black families. That's what privilege is. It's about averages. It's not about the it's not about the aggregate. It's about the average. It's not about the. Fa- it's not about whole numbers. It's about averages. You, you can't ignore the odds. It's about the odds. It's simply wrong to presuppose all. It's, it, it's it's in a vacuum. If you're a white person, you're going to deal with less obstacles than if you're a black person. In, in, in a vacuum. Now, we don't live in vacuums. We have other things. But that's when inter- intersectionality comes in. But you're not ready to deal with inter- intersectionality if, you're not, if you can't handle the simple concept of privilege. Like the topic of like white privilege or gender privilege or like male privilege. That's like the, the freshman level course. You have to be able to like freshman math. And then once you pass freshman math, like, you know, algebra one, you go to algebra two and then like trigonometry, geometry, you know, calculus. You have to learn your algebra first before you can get to geometry, trigonometry, calculus, you know, higher, 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 linear algebra. You have to be able to learn those basics before you can go up and learn the other things. So you have to be, you can't just discount the fact that white privilege doesn't exist because of all those other issues. You have to learn about how privilege works on an individual classification level before you can then go on to understand how privilege works on when it intersects with all the other classifications. So, for example, if you have a white, a straight white male, straight white cisgendered male would be like, who is like thin and Christian in America would probably be the absolute height of privilege. I may be leaving out a classification and a black trans woman who is overweight is probably going to be on the lower end of the privilege scale because you're, you're on, you're not checking any of the privilege boxes, but let's say you have a black man versus a white woman. Now the black man is going to have male privilege, but the white woman is going to have white privilege. 
each of them is going to have separate difficulties dealing with issues in society. The white woman might not have to deal with the issues of policing that the black man might have to deal with, but the white woman might have to not might might be able to still she'll still you know she'll she'll be white so she won't have to you know she could probably yell at a cop versus the black the black man won't be able to yell at the cop but the man will be able to still have male privilege versus so so he he won't when looking at issues of a job on the job he might not get passed like if they're trying to apply for a job he might not get passed over for the job that they're both applying to because He'll, they'll be like, oh well, he might—he's not going to get pregnant, so let's hire him over her because he's not going to get pregnant, even though his wife might be, and he might want to take off to deal with the pregnancy if in, in, a, in a in a good world that treated everybody equally. But he still might get—he still might get paid less than the white per, white male in the same similarly situated position. If him and a white male got got put their resumes across the desk, the the hiring manager might just look at the white resume, assuming that they knew what the racial classifications were and just discard the black resume, all, black person's resume altogether. But that's, you know, that's, that's part of the white privilege versus white and black on racial privilege. But you're not ready for intersectionality yet if you can't handle the simple basic levels of privilege. So My line in the sand, if you cannot write a term paper, you have you have no idea how to support simple thesis, even if that thesis is ice cream is better than cake. I like both. What if you like both? Gibson, facts challenge the prevailing progressive notion that America's institutions are built to universally favor whites and oppressed minorities. They don't, though. The facts don't. Look, I'm more than willing to listen to any argument that you want to make that that, that show these, quote, facts, but... I've I've listened to the conservative arguments trying to sow these so-called facts, and they don't work out. For example, you've presented something that you believe is a fact that you think disproves that white privilege exists because you said that white people are too are you believe that white people are two times more likely to be live in poverty than black people because there are two times more white people in poverty than black people. And I've already disproven that to you because, again, because white people make up seven times of the population, white people are three and a half times less like, or black people are three and a half times more likely to be living in poverty than a white person because white people make up seven times more of the population than black people. So if, if, two, if, if white people make up two times the number of people in poverty, but they're seven times more of the population, then Black people are three and a half times more likely to be in poverty. That's white privilege because you're more likely to be poor if you're black than you are if you're white. That's white privilege. That's proving white privilege to you using your own numbers. And you're completely ignoring that. I don't know why you're ignoring that. You haven't even addressed that. You haven't even touched that. You keep ignoring that. You're, you've absolutely ignored You've not even... You've, you've not said a single iota about that. And don't bother calling right now because I'm about to end the show. So you've not touched that point that I've made. Why have you not touched that point that I made? I'm going to posit that the reason you've not touched it because you know I'm right. Maybe you're going to disagree that I'm with, that, with, that, with that statement, 
but I'm going to argue with the fact that since you have not touched that comment of mine, that you're that you're that you're talking about other things, that you're talking past what I've said, that you know that what I've made that I've made a comment that's not refutable. So instead of saying Dan, you're right, you've just moved on and are trying to make other points. Yay or nay? Kimchi, German chocolate is the best cake. I can prove it. If German chocolate, if I recall correctly, has coconut, I disagree with you. Disagree with you 100%. You're still awesome, though, because of the nice words that you say. Horse is dead. Well, time to end the show then. Horse is dead. But I want to repeat it two more times. (laughs) Anyway, go ahead and find the show end. So, Wes, Dan, you were absolutely right. Great point to end on. Wes saying that I'm right. Perfect. Andrea, say how. All trolls need education. A, that's why I'm here. B, also one of the reasons sometimes you, you don't learn things the first time. You don't learn things the first time you hear it. That's why you have to have repetition to learn things multiple times. So anyway, I have to do something by within about 15 to 20 minutes or so. So this is the end of this week's episode of Liberal Day and Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. I will be back Monday, Monday, 8 p.m. Central here on YouTube to start the twice-a-week Liberal Day and Radio. Um, so hopefully that will be the start of the escalation of, of, of memberships, of people subscribing, of launching Liberal Dan into the future and being even better than it was before. So if you're not going to join me for Twitch tomorrow, join me Monday, 8 p.m. Central, for Liberal Band Radio. Talk to the left. That's right.